So I think there is a big a big thing that uh, I'm calling out, which is this pattern of outsourcing your intuition to someone else. So we are in this way of being, running our businesses and things like that, where you're like waiting for someone else to give you the answer. When actually what I speak about in my book is you are the sacred seer of your business. You don't need to look at anyone else. Just do the things that's aligned with your vision, that's aligned with your intuition, and then in source rather than outsource, like go inward, stay in tune with what feels right for you. And you don't need to ask everyone else how they feel about it. The Next Level Life podcast by Christine Corcoran is for all heart-centered entrepreneurs who want to up-level their mindset, motivation, and business to make a positive and meaningful impact in the world today. So if you love what you do and want to hear from inspiring thought leaders and successful business owners, where we have real conversations and real connections, then this is for you. I want to assist you in finding the clarity and awareness you need to uplevel your mindset and set your soul on fire to take massive aligned action in your business so you can take your life to the next level. Ready to get started? Let's go. Welcome to the next episode of the Next Level Life podcast. Today, I have a beautiful interview with the beautiful Letitia Unruck. With over 15 years of strategy consulting, startup mentoring, and corporate leadership experience, Letitia has led many successful growth and innovative programs in many high-profile global organizations, including Telstra, Deloitte, Doblin, Bloomberg, and the French government. She understands firsthand the daily juggle of successful entrepreneurs, which, she can, which can leave them feeling triggered, time poor, spread thin, and burnt out. Letitia knows these problems too well as she experienced burnout in 2014. This experience taught Letitia the importance of reconnecting with her intuition to avoid burnout. With her new book, Light It, How to Trust Your Intuition and Build a Thriving Business, she explains her light framework, which has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs shift from burnout to blissed out, reconnecting them with their intuition and their inner knowing. In today's conversation, we explore how to recognize the signs of burnout, how to connect with your intuition and and implement it into your business strategy, how to recognize the difference between intuition and other emotions, the rituals you can use to strengthen your connection with your intuition, and the masculine and feminine balance required in business to avoid burnout. This is such a fun conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. Let me introduce you to the beautiful Letitia. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, and I'm so glad that we got to meet. Letitia, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. It's my pleasure. And talking about intuition and burnout is actually one of my favorite topics. And last time I had someone on on the podcast to talk about intuition, it was one of the highest downloaded podcasts. So it's obviously something that people really want to know more about. And I am so excited to talk to you about your book and about everything that's been happening in your world. But before we even dive in, would you mind just taking a moment just to share with my beautiful listeners who you are, what you do, and what led you to create this beautiful book, Light It? Mm, Thank you, Christine, for the question. So I am Laetitia Andrac. You may notice by now my French accent. So I'm born in France, in the south of France, in the French Riviera, in a very small village and a beautiful place to be and to grow up. And then my career took me to Paris, where I worked in strategy consulting until I burned out in 2014. And then I felt called to move to Australia which is now my home for the last nine years. And in Australia, I've worked as a general manager for a big corporation in innovation, growth, and strategy, and specialized into mentoring startup, VC investment, and all of that. And when COVID hit, I was like, oh my gosh, we're at home with two young kids. My husband also was a general manager in another big corporation. 
we are going to burn out again. So I just need to step away. So this is when I decided to step away from corporate and launch my own business, Essential Shift. And I focus now on weaving together my learning, my lineage, growing up in a small village in the south of France from a family of healer with my 16 years of experience in strategy, in finding new growth, finding innovation opportunity for small and medium business owners. So this is why I call my work being a business doula, because I really hold this sacred space for business owners to trust their intuition, their vision, and then align their business with that by bringing in strategy and intuition together. That's what I do. Love it. Oh, what a beautiful blend and how interesting. So talk me through this, right? Because if you've come from a place of like where you were brought up with through a healer, like I'm imagining like this element of really allowing the feminine energy and like a lot of the feminine energy coming through and then just then step into strategy and corporate is very masculine. What drove that? Was it like, were you rebelling against your parents? Would you like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this question. It's so deep. So, um, what happened is definitely as I grew up was an embodiment of divine feminine energy in contact with nature, listening to our intuition, going on hikes, always, you know, connected with the power of nature and how human nature nurture nature. So it's so important to be connected to nature. So I was living in alignment with the cycle of the moon, the cycle of the sun, all of those kind of ways. So I've been taught about this in my very early childhood taught about meditation and creating energetic boundaries because I could see being in my room. So I couldn't sleep when I was younger. So all of those kind of things were part of my childhood and my upbringing. But then my brain took over as I was very smart and successful at school. My teacher pushed me down a path of going to an elitist preparatory school, which is a different system than you have in Australia. We go two years. We are like in those kind of school where, you know, they prepare us to enter then the best business school in the world. And then I entered one of the best business school. And then I was taken down that path of a different way of success. And at that time, what I was fed into is success is being in a big corporation in Paris, leading big team, making big money and doing those big things. So I disconnected myself from that teaching and then, of course, I was ashamed of it because I was, you know, um, a bumpkin. How do you call it? You know, like a bogan in a way. But, you know, the bumpkin thing you have a saying in English, which is like. So I was coming from this a country bumpkin, you say, I think, in English. So I was coming from this country bumpkin upbringing and being with all of these elitist ch children who were from the best corporation, like their parents were the best corporation ambassadors and all those kind of things, so a different crowd. So I was really thinking that this was what success was for me you know just uh moving up the ladder and being in this masculine energy and going 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 and creating 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 and I would have stayed there if I hadn't burned out so it's in 2014 when my burnout hit that I realized that actually it's not one of the other it's together and finding harmony between my bringing and this divine feminine energy and this strategic background this knowledge, this brain of mine that is really potent and powerful, weaving them together as a divine masculine and the divine feminine and finding harmony between those two. But it had to take me a breakdown for this breakthrough to happen, which I hope is not going to happen to everyone after reading my book, because this is the teachings that I embed in this book. It's really about reclaiming your own knowledge and your own intuition. And we're all different. So creating your own 
um, disco ball, as I call it, so that you can really be you as a whole rather than trying to fit in some expectations that society is having for you. Yeah, what a full circle moment. Like it's so yeah. beautiful that you've been able to then, which often happens, right? Like we often happen this have this space where we like want to tap back into our childhood or tap back in of like our, our roots as such. Yes. I love that that has, that has become that full circle and now you align both of them and you support other people to align both the masculine and the feminine and really align themselves with their true inner knowledge, which is just so beautiful. So beautiful. I love that you do this. So tell us about what led you to then write your book. Uh, so this was a pure intuitive <laughs> moment as well. So the book was not on my bucket list. I had other items on my bucket list, you know, higher on the list in terms of how do I wanted to establish my business and grow it because the book came in my first year in business, which is not really what I would recommend anyone else strategically. Uh, so this is why, you know, the intuition came through. So we, the story of how the book came through is, one of my friends, when I was in strategy consulting, at the moment that I burned out, uh, passed of cancer um, very quickly. And it was just this moment where I was grieving and I was in meditation under actually a new moon in Scorpio, which is happening in a few days here um, at the time we recorded this. So um, under this new moon in Scorpio, so Scorpio is about death and rebirth. I'm an astrologer as well. So really in that moment, as it passed away under a full moon in Scorpio I was ready on the new moon to really harness this new moon for new intention to be coming and so on so I was in this silent meditation and I took myself for a day away really stepping into the silence and honoring is him passing away six months ago and all of that and in that moment the book came through it was like you need to write a book like, huh, thank you so much not gonna happen and it was like yes the book and you need to teach about the light framework and really came through in this way and I know if some of your listeners are not spiritual but I'm highly spiritual they'll be like oh my gosh so BS no it's not it's how it came it's really clear how it came and the messages were very clear and it was you know this visceral you know when you have this intuition moment and then it's visceral you have to write this so as soon as I finished it I remember calling my husband and being like okay I'm going to be an author and it needs to be in English. And it was like, what? Oh my goodness. What are you doing again? Because every time my intuition takes us on a journey, this is how we moved to Australia. This is how we bought this house. All of those things came to me intuitively and then we better make it happen. So um, as soon as I had this book coming through, I went and looked for a book mentor because I knew that if I hadn't had a mentor by my side, it would just, you know, my brain will take over my intuition and then I will not trust myself to write this book so then I went on the journey of writing and so on but it really came from a place of meditation space connection with myself and my higher self around what's next how can I how can I grieve this and how can I transform this death which is a symbol of Scorpio this death into rebirth how can I you know harness this grief into something that is for the greater good yeah so good and I feel like I 100% agree with you. Your those messages just come through, but I feel like you always have to give them space. Like I feel yes. like when we're out of touch with our intuition is because we've been so busy or we're filling our calendars with so much stuff that we're in the headspace of like constantly busy mind that we're never actually giving us our, our our intuition, our body, our brains, our hearts space to actually just process one what we've experienced and what we're going through and what's happening that day as well as actually having space just to 
come up with those ideas and actually have some of those things come through you, right? Like, I, I mean, I mean, we're going to dive into this, but I, I kind of feel like I just wanted to fully agree with you there because I, I absolutely agree with you. And I feel like it's, it's not necessarily, um, like it is, it is spiritual in a way, but I think we all have this inner knowing, like, and I think there's always been, been times in our lives where we've had that inner nudge or that inner knowing of like, do this thing and then you do it and it works out, right? It's just yes. to trust that. And so let's, I want to go down the burnout rate route first, right? So can you talk us through, so obviously you've, you've experienced burnout and then the next time you noticed that the burnout was going to happen. So you were like, I need to do something about this so I don't burn out again. Can you talk us through the signs and how your intuition played in with that so that it supported you to make the right decision for yourself? Yes. So first of all, the first time I hit burnout, I rejected the burnout diagnostic when I went to see the doctor. I was like, no, I'm not burnout. out. I'm just, you know, always iron deficient. Just give me some iron. I just need some magnesium because I don't use magnesium, you know, I'm neurodivergent. So, you know, I'm like, just give me the little, you know, things that will help me get through this phase. I'm not burnout. I just rejected it because I was fooling my divine masculine at that time. And I have a lot of compassion for this younger Leticia in 2014 was just like, go, go, go. I just finished this project with Mike Bloomberg. Let me go back on a plane and let me do this next thing because it's amazing. I love my career, which is true. I love my career, but it was just too much. So the first time I was just in full rejection, full shame. Didn't, you know, after taking a few weeks off when I went back to the office, didn't say I had a burnout. I was just like, we need to change a bit my schedule because actually I, you know, I just had a health issue and all those kind of things the partner were not very open to that. So that's when I decided to move to Australia, but that's another story. So basically I was just, you know, the rebuilding myself took some time because I hit the last stage of burnout. There is 12 different stages of burnout. I didn't develop that. I'm not a burnout researcher, but it's the 12 stages that I quote in my book are coming from a researcher in the US. So basically I hit the last stage, you know, of burnout in my first burnout. So now I'm way more aware of it. So what happened is when we were in the middle of the lockdown with two young kids under four, no family around, both of us general manager with my husband, I had this moment where, you know, I could feel that I was only getting more and more in my, you know, um, grotto, if, if that makes sense. Just, I don't want to speak to anyone. I just want to be by myself. Just let me be here in silence, too much noise, too much things, all of that. And I know this is one of the first signal. It's like this sense of, oh my gosh, I don't want to interact with anyone because you're so overwhelmed. You have so much happening. So I really had this moment of, okay, I think I'm going to hit the burnout if I keep doing this. Then you wake up very tired. That was another sign for me, waking up very tired. And the third sign was just getting so angry at everything. And I know during COVID, a lot of people discovered burnout and they were like, oh my God, this is what burnout is because it's very sad. But during COVID, actually, a lot of people hit burnout that wouldn't have hit burnout before because we were always on screen. We were reachable all the time. It was just like normal as we moved from the office to homes that, you know, the frontier between work and life were very blurred in corporate and in online business world and all of that. So like becoming very, you know, angry all the time is not who I am and it's not the person I wanted to show to my daughters so it was really this moment where I was like okay I need to step away and this is when I set the intention to you know what I call my um mission to march so you know mission to mars 
but Mars in French is March, so mission to March, uh, of leaving the corporate world by March 2021. And that's this moment where I was like, okay, I'm just I'm just leaving this golden handcuff job to go all in with my passion, my business, and embrace more flexibility and be present for my family, myself, my community, and serve in a different way. So the second time where way more subtle sign that I could call out because I knew by then the different stages of burnout and I knew how to, you know, reconnect inward through, as we said, making space, checking in, being present and really sharing openly with my team by then that, you know, it's hard. Having two kids at home in a small apartment and, um, you know, both executive with high demanding role and having hundreds of people under us was really, really hard. Yeah, I think more people need to talk about it, right? Because I think it's like it's seen as a weakness as women to say that, you know, they're not not keeping it all together, right? Yeah. Like that's an absolute terrible narrative that doesn't serve anybody. And I think yeah. that it's literally like you're you're running three roles, like you're running the household, you're running, you're taking care of the kids, you're being a mother, you're being a partner, and you're being the GM. Like it's a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> Well, congrats for going all in on your business and then bringing your book to life. It's so exciting. So I'd love to go down the avenue of your intuition. So for those people who who are listening that are like, I don't know if I even have an intuition. I don't even know if I have a relationship with my intuition. How do I know what, what intuition is and what is an intuition? Would you mind sharing a bit more about that? Yes, definitely. So it's some things that I love to share. So I share it in my book, but I also guide some of my clients through an exercise to really connect with their intuition is really for each of us, it's expressed differently. That's the first thing I want to say. And we are all intuitive beings. It's just the muscles that we need to train and strengthen and trust. And especially if you've been told, don't trust your intuition or stop, this is bullshit. Just look at the data and all that. It will be like more to unlearn, to relearn how to trust your intuition. I was grateful to be raised in a family where I was like, how do you feel? How does that feel? What, you know? What is your body telling you? And all those kind of things. So intuition can be expressed different ways. So you have some people saying, trust your gut. And so your gut, then your intuition is expressed in your body, in your, in, yeah, in your, in your gut, where you digest the food and all of that. So some of my clients, when it's not their intuition, they will have even this visceral response of vomiting if it's not the right thing to do, or other will just feel very nauseous if it's not the right thing to do. And if it's the right thing to do, they feel like this sense of ease with their guts, this sense of, mm, okay, that's that's it. So some of you may express it with your guts. Some of you, it may be more subtle. So for me, it's like this kind of sense of, mm, you know, this voice, inner voicing, mm, and I'm just very grounded and very centered. I have tingling in my, you know, in my crown, on the top of my head, for those of you who don't know what's the crown chakra. And really it's like, this is a moment where I'm like, mm, this is it. And it's very subtle because potentially I have, you know, worked with it for a long time. For other of my clients, it's really like this moment where they feel a lot of heat in their body. So it's like, oh, I like I'm so warm. This is the right thing to do. For other of my clients, is this opening in the heart, you know, rather than a contraction in their heart, it's this opening. So for each and every one of us, it will look different. So it's about starting to connect with this inner sensation, this inner knowing, this inner feeling. And of course, you can start by flipping a coin, which is something I say in the book. You can just ask yourself a question, sit in silence, sit with your body, flip a coin, and then notice what's your reaction. If you're like, okay, 
faces that, tail is that, and then you flip the coin, then like, mm, oh no, this is not what I wanted. So mm. you know, you know what you want. So it's a coin as simple as that can really help you start connecting with your intuition. So for me, it's really connecting first with how it's expressed. And unfortunately, there is a lot of bullshit to simplify things out there, being like, oh, it's your gut, oh, it's this, oh, it's, no, we're all different. Um, I love to look at, as, an, as I'm an astrologer, I love to look at the astrology because the astrology will give you information about how your intuition can be expressed in your body. Uh, human design as well. I love to look at the human design chart of my clients because it's inspired from astrology. I'm an Ayurveda practitioner as well. So it's like a beautiful way to weave the chakra and um, the Chinese medicine and the astrology. So you can look at your own body chart as well. It will give you some indication, but it's not predeterministic. It's about you defining how your intuition is expressed. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent agree with you. I have had the same experience where if people, clients have different responses, different sensations for their intuition. And like, for me, my intuition is like, a yes, is like a deep, like gut punch. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's like a yes. Like it's really a real deep knowing. And then a no for me is like a repelling. Like I feel mm-hmm. this, like we'll move away from that. And yeah. that's no. Um, but I feel like it's like you said before, like when you've been working with it for a long time, you've built this relationship with it. And so it's much to acknowledge and know, whereas I think sometimes people, you know, if they get started with it and then it doesn't steer them in the right direction, they kind of just lose trust with it. But I feel like, and I, I wonder whether you agree with me that it's, it's just about starting to build the relationship and just keep testing and trialing and measuring it as you go. And you will find that there will become a time where you're like, yes, I know this is a yes. And I know this is a no, but yes. sometimes it's not so intuitively um, like, it's not like a kind of moment. Like, it's not like, you know, right from the beginning, because like, if you have all that conditioning that's causing you to not trust it, then absolutely that can impact your ability to, to trust that, that nudge or that sensation. So I feel like sometimes you need to just start small. Like you just said with that coin, I love that activity just start small and just build up and start asking yourself and checking in with those sensations as you go. And then just keep testing it. Like there's sometimes where I'll say to a client, you know, in the past, there's been a time where you've made a decision where, you know, you actually went against your intuition and everyone has a moment like that where they're like, Oh yeah, I had that nudge. I didn't pay attention to it. And I did the other thing and it didn't work out. And like, that was, that was your intuition trying to guide you in the right direction. And so we try to pinpoint what the feeling was that they had so then they can actually move towards it rather than against it and then building the trust with it. And I honestly feel like your intuition never, ever steers you wrong. Yes. Yes. And you know, what I loved about what you said is the fact that you need to train it. You need to get used to it. And that's when then you can make the big, bold move intuitively led like the Jeff Bezos you know, move of buying the Washington Post or, you know, the Steve Jobs move of doing this. So, you know, all of those big leaders say they are trusting their intuition. It's not just us on this podcast, you know. It's like the big visionary innovator of this where taking big risks are trusting their intuition. Because if you just look at the data, and I used to be the general manager of big data commercialization in Telstra. So I know data, I love data, I love an Excel spreadsheet. I love to look at all of the data, but some of the things the data won't tell you. So this is where before making those big bold moves, you can start with the day-to-day thing, day-to-day decisions that you're starting to make intuitively based. And then, then you strengthen it and you can trust it more and more and you can trust it more and more. And then you're like making those big decisions like writing a book. 
or moving to Australia based on your intuition. It's just like very uh, a, a very slow process of connecting with it. And I don't want anyone to go after, you know, the bypassing and be like, oh, Leticia and Christine talked about intuition. I'm going to just reframe my whole business based on intuition. No, let's start with little things. Let's start with, you know, how do you price this next thing, trusting your intuition? How do you promote this next product, trusting your intuition? How do you, you know, let's start with small thing before we reframe the whole thing based on your intuition, because then you'll be like, oh my gosh, this was wrong, but it was not your intuition. Maybe it was your ego driving it. So yeah, which then brings me to my next question. This is perfect because like in those moments, there's going to be times where we're, especially like pricing or like promoting something, putting ourselves out there, doing something different in our business there's going to be an element of fear that shows up. So how do we know the difference between fear coming up and us going, oh, we'll go the easy route, right? And that's intuition. And I'm using um, explanation points. Like, is it really our intuition saying guided here or is it just our avoidance of the fear? Yeah. <laughs> so like, how do we determine the difference between other emotions and our intuition? It's a very good question. And it's something that, you know, I get a lot of question about, which is how do we know if it's our intuition of fear or if it's our intuition of anxiety and things like that. And know that's normal because when you are starting to trust your intuition, you have all of those emotions that came up to protect you from doing these bold things. That's this courageous move. And we know that courage comes from the old French courage, which means the heart. So it's really like you, it's just to kind of protect you in a way of making those bold moves. So what I always encourage my clients to do to make the difference between it's my intuition or it's my ego driving me with fear, with anxiety, with all of those other feelings is really sitting with it and making space and trying to unravel all of this. And if it's not the moment where you're surely sure that it's your intuition, you can delay the decision and sit with it another time, another day. We are in this society where it's asking us to make decisions on such a super high paced thing. We don't, we don't need to unless you're a neurosurgeon which is something I always share with my team and my client. I'm like, I'm not a neurosurgeon. I'm not saving people's life. So if I don't make this decision today, if I don't reply to that email today, if I don't write this blog today, if I'm not releasing the podcast today, no one is going to die. So it is fine to give myself the space to make sure that this is driven by my intuition, the echo. So the ecology, making sure that I am replying to the bigger system and to the good for the community, the society and so on, rather than the ego, which will drive from my emotions and so on. So that's where if you're not sure yet, you need to unravel and make space to unravel the, um, the, the thread and make sure, okay, what is it? Yeah. What is it? Yeah, I love that. You're so right. Everything feels so freaking urgent, but it's not. No one's gonna it's not. It's fine. You can take a day off your business and just take a break. <laughs> like Yes. Definitely. And this I learned it after my burnout. You know, it's like then when I was a leader in Telstra, when I was a general manager there, I was always like, we don't need to make this decision today. I know there are millions of dollars on the line, billions of dollars there, la la la. Like, what's gonna happen? Are we gonna kill someone? Not today. So are we going to save someone's life? Not today. Not with the work I was doing. For sure, for sure there is some spaces in, in this firm where they are, you know, really, you know, when it's um, 
you know, the the emergency network when there is a fire or things like that. Of course, like we need them to be on, you know, responding straight away, but not in the service that I was doing around strategy and big vision and those kind of things. No, I'm working with ambiguity. I'm working in three, five, 10 years from now. So whatever I do today, it's not going to change the course of humanity, if that makes sense. So I can just sit on it and make sure that what I'm doing is the right thing to do. Yeah, love that. That's so good. So in your experience of working with clients with their intuition, what are some of the things that they come up with or that come, they come to you with that causes them to not trust their intuition or that causes them to negatively impact their relationship with their intuition? So I think there is a big a big thing that uh, I'm calling out, which is this pattern of outsourcing your intuition to someone else. Mm-hmm. So we are in this way of being running our businesses and things like that where you're like waiting for someone else to give you the answer when actually what i speak about in my book is you are the sacred seer of your business you don't need to look at anyone else just do the things that's aligned with your vision that's aligned with your intuition and then in source rather than outsource like go inward stay in tune with what feels right for you and You don't need to ask everyone else how they feel about it. So a lot of my clients, they come to me and they've stopped trusting their intuitions. They've lost this kind of sparks, this internal trust and all of that because they've just, you know, been told that someone else is as a recipe for the success of their business or the recipe for the next growth. So they're just watching everything external to them. They're like, oh, I want this, I want this, but do you really want it? Is it really what you want? And right now I'm having a full campaign around the seven figure flipped where I flip the narrative around, do you really want a million dollar business? Do you really want that? Which mean, which may means you make less profits than if you have, you know, a hundred thousand dollar business or a $50,000 business, because I know a lot around strategy and helping small, medium and large businesses. And I'm telling you, some businesses are massive that I support, like they make over $20 million a year in revenue but they make less profits at my business because I have less Mm -hmm. overhead. I have less investment. I have less R and D, all of those kind of things. So just being mindful about what you want and then making it true to yourself. So the first thing is outsourcing your intuition, listening to everyone else's advice, la la la. So that's the first thing that happened. The other angle of it is they just stuck in the go, go, go. So they don't, they've Mm -hmm. lost this time and space as when we're kids, we daydream a lot. We connect with our intuition a lot. My daughters, they know what they want to do. They don't need me to, you know, kind of um, ask them multiple questions or tell them this is what blah, blah is doing and what blah, blah is doing. It's like, what do you feel like doing? And then they know for themselves. And this is what I want to help more business owners to do. It's to reclaim this space for them to connect with their own authority. So it's like they're just stuck mm-hmm. in the go, go, go. That's where they're just losing track with their intuition. And the third element is we are driven more and more by data. And I know that because I used to work in that space where I'm more and more driven by AI. Again, I was helping developing AI and all those kind of things in my former job. So I know it's really getting us into the space that we are trusting something fully external to us and a pattern and data and so on. So we are not trusting ourselves we are trusting something outside of ourselves to make the decision for us but what makes us unique as human being is actually our intuition 
So you can use those tools to confirm some things that is coming from inside yourself. And I love using AI. I use so many AI tools. It's saving space, which then through the space, I can connect more with my intuition. And then I can, you know, so we need those tools. I'm not against it, but I'm just saying, be mindful of not over relying on data and AI because your intuition will help you break the pattern. Yes. Oh my goodness. So many things in there, what you've just mentioned. Like I just love every part of what you just said. I feel like we we want to be so conscious of being self-aware and being really in tune with what's happening for ourselves and what we're choosing. And I, I mean, I run a couple of masterminds and it's one of those things that people are often always asking me questions and I, it's a space to do that. Absolutely. But I'm always so conscious of the fact of like, this is what's worked for me. And this is what I would suggest you explore. Mm. But again, feels right for you like, because there's two parts with it with, with in my opinion as well is like yes it's got to be in alignment with your intuition and if it's not then it actually won't work yeah. like honestly it won't work because you just it just won't be in alignment with you um and then secondly if you don't believe in it or if you don't feel like it's right you actually will sabotage it or you most likely won't execute on it as well as you possibly could be because you're doubting it or your your intuition is going actually this is not the right direction yeah <laughs> and you're going so I'm always so conscious of like bringing them back to themselves of like how do you become your own sovereign being and, and really decide for yourself because that's honestly going to benefit you in the long run because the last thing and as a coach myself the last thing I would ever want is to create codependency with clients and I'm always trying to create that self-dependency and that self-awareness in their ability to make their own decisions for their own business because at the end of the day it's their business right and it's their world it's their life so I love that you've just highlighted so many beautiful pieces allowing them to come back to themselves and honor that because yeah it is what actually makes us unique and what sets us apart from everybody else like no one else can be you like that's impossible I love that oh so good so good so I feel like where to to go from here I would love for you to share is there any rituals that you do to help keep that relationship going with your intuition like is there something that you could share with us to help us start to build that into our into our business. Yes. So I'm huge on rituals and it's, uh, you know, some things that I've been relying on since my early childhood, like really connecting within and doing those rituals. So for me, I have three main time in the day when I go through rituals and I have no expectation of anyone listening to that, to do rituals three times a day. If you start just with you know, one at the moment of the day, it's already amazing, you know, to give back to yourself and looking after yourself and connecting inward. So for me, it's like really my morning ritual, my lunchtime ritual and my evening ritual. And why do I do that? Because as an Ayurveda practitioner, these are the three key sections. because then you have a section in the middle of the night where I'm not waking up at 3 a.m. to do my ritual. But it's like those three moments in the day where, you know, the energy is shifting from Pitta to Vata to Kapha. So really honoring those shifts and making space for it. So when I wake up, I have rituals. And before having kids, they were like way richer. But now as I have two daughters who often wake up in our bed in the morning, uh, I cannot, you know, jump out of bed and do a silent meditation and all that. So for me, my morning ritual is really this cold shower where I'm very mindful. So I do the breath work. I have this cold shower. I close the door of my bathroom so that I'm sure that no one is coming. And, you know, it's really my moment to tune in and asking myself, my intuition, how do you want to show up today? What is what is really important today? How do you want to, you know, behave, drive, connect, 
what is so important today? And then if something happened during the day that will throw me away, I can go back to that. I can go back to that intention, which is coming inward. And of course, I have so many moments during the day where I may, you know, wobble because as a mother, you may have the school calling you, oh, your kid just fall down. You need to come and pick them up. Or, oh, you know, a client telling you, oh my gosh, this is not going as well as I wanted it to go. Or, you know, someone going through, you know, a breakdown or whatever is happening. Then you can go back to that intention from the start of the day. My other key moment is lunchtime. So having mindful lunch off my laptop and then going for a walk with my dog in nature and barefoot. Whatever is the season, I'm walking barefoot. Right now, it's bindi season in Australia. It's horrible. Like I get bindi on my feet every single day, uh, but I'm still doing it. So it's very important because then I can really connect with the season and the sensation. It grounds me. It gives me back. It calms my heart. We know how the power of nature is. So walking barefoot after lunch is really important for me. And then I can reconnect within and being silent. I don't listen to any podcast. I don't do anything just with my dog walking in nature. And then the third moment is in the evening. It's when I journal. It's when I pull a record card. It's when I really gather all the gratitude, all the things that happen during the day and reading books in the evening is really key for me. So disconnecting from my phone and, and really being present with myself in silence in my room is really something that I love. And what I love about it is then it's influencing my whole family. So my daughters, you know, if they're not sleeping when I'm going in my bedroom at 9.30 because they're not great sleeper, they may come and be like, can we journal with you? Can we pull card with you? And then we sit in silence together and they may do that and then they will go and sleep way better. So we have this moment yeah. as a family, which is very... So when people tell me, oh, it's not possible, like you have the dream lifestyle, I don't have the dream lifestyle. I'm just making it happen, whatever happens. And I have strategies to make sure that whatever is happening around me, I can still make space and honor myself. So, and then I love to take myself on retreats. This is like a big thing of mine. Like I'm a retreat junkie, definitely. So taking myself on retreats is really something where I can allow myself to have longer rituals, which my soul may need. Uh, but those are like my three key moments of the day and rituals. And if people are like very confused about what is a ritual, how to start and all that, I actually have a rituals guide on my website where I give them, you know, different options because for each and every one of us, rituals may look different and singing can be your ritual. Drawing can be your ritual. Uh, cooking can be a ritual. Whatever is making you connect inward can be a ritual. Mm, love it you're so right there's so many beautiful things that you can do that don't have to be this specific way around just because someone else does it yeah. that way that you have to do it um and I really love that because it's so many of what you just shared it's like I can feel like the calmness that cre it gets created in those spaces and like you said before like if you're listening to this and, and all three sound too overwhelming just start with one and what I find and I, with any client that I have as well that I always suggest like meditation of some type of mindfulness practice uh, and that could be anything from like you know walking um color you adult coloring books like simple little things reading like anything that just basically allows you to just focus on one thing or allow yourself just to have peace at peace of mind I think the more that you do them, the more you actually start to crave them yes. and you want to do them and you do prioritize them. So then they become more important than other things within your life that maybe, you know, watching those, that two hours of a TV series really wasn't actually soul nourishing at all. And so that 
then you start to actually prioritize journaling or reading over that. And then you're like, oh, this is actually a really beautiful way to finish my day. And then you feel better for it. And then you wake up better. Like all those things start to, like the ripple effect that actually happens when those types of rituals are so beautiful and so worthwhile. So I definitely implore anyone listening to, to try at least one of them and see how you can build that into your, into your life. And I think as well, like there's that element of like, it takes a bit of time for that to come through, right? Like sometimes like the first time you do it, it might not feel like you get the peace of mind or you might not actually allow the space to feel calm in that first time of doing a ritual, but it's in the consistency of the ritual, the repetition of the ritual that you actually start to build that, that space into, into it as well. Is there any other ritual that you do in your business that you, for your intuition, like any, any little things that you do where you always make, make the time to check in or anything like that? Yeah. So before any session with clients, I create what I call the bubble of light. So same thing. It's something you can read on my blog and you can access the bubble of light meditation as a bonus of my book, but it's creating this bubble of light. So really having this moment where I protect energetically myself from whatever may arise during the session, but I also invite myself to guide this client from their highest good and my highest good. So it's really a powerful practice to hold space for whatever may arise because in the work I do often, you know, there are things that are uncovered that maybe a trauma with a big T or a small T and I'm not a trauma therapist. I'm a psychodrama therapist, which is different. And so basically I'm not kind of able to handle that. I'm not the Gabo Mate of the world. So I just want to make sure that I hold this sacred space for them to birth the next best thing in their business, but holding them in this sacredness of, uh, you know, their own energy, my own energy and our higher self energy. So before any session with clients, I create this bubble of light which was taught to me when I was five-year-old by one of my parents' spiritual teacher to protect myself from seeing people in my room and all that. So really creating this energetic boundary around me is really critical. Then another ritual that I love to have is pulling cards. So every session with a client, I pull tarot card. I love tarot Marseille. Of course, I'm French. I love to pull tarot card, oracle card, and just you know tuning in and making sure that we have an intention that is set from the card coming up and what it means for them so I let them interpret the card first and then I give them you know what is my own interpretation as well and then we work through that so I love to use oracle card and the third thing I love to do is after a session with a client I go ground myself I wash my hands with you know water and salt to really clear myself because as a healer of course the work I do I'm a medium and all of that as well so with the work I do, yes, it's highly strategic, it's highly business focused, it's highly all of that, but there is also a component that is healing. So I need to clear myself to make sure I'm not taking on all of that. So there is also a kind of clearing after after a session. So those are like really the three key one, bubble of light, pulling cards, and then clearing at the end. But, uh, you know, depending on the work that I'm doing on a certain day, I will definitely also align with the cycle of the moon, with, you know, the astrology sign and all of that. So these are, you know, broader ritual, you know, when it's right now we are under the energy of Beltane in Southern Hemisphere, where I know a lot of us celebrated Samhain, which is Halloween, but no, we are in Beltane, which is really this phase of you know, the full warmth, the full energy is a fire jumping over a fire and having this fiery energy within us. So really harnessing that right now in my business is critical. 
what is willing to come through? What is this fire? What is this transformative and alchemy that I want to create right now? So I really look also every day at what is the energy of the day. Mm, love that. So good. I do a couple of rit rituals similar to that as well. Like I always do like the end of the day shower to then wash off anything from the day. Uh, I do the bubble ritual, like all of it. So good. So we have so many alignments. It's so, so beautiful. So I'd love for you to tell us about your book. So, I mean, we've alluded to it throughout the whole session, but I'd love for you just to give us a little bit of a plug. Tell us a little bit more about your book. Yes, sure. Thank you for this invitation. So my book is called Light It, How to Trust Your Intuition and Build a Thriving Business. So for those who have the video, here is a book. And so... So this book is all about reclaiming your intuition to run your own business. And the way I help you reclaim your intuition or reconnect, because you may all have been really connected to your intuition in your early childhood, or you may have moments in your life where it's truly intuitive and you cannot explain why you made this decision, but it's where you are today. So it's amazing. So really uh, the light framework is what's explained in the book. That's why it's called Light It. And the light framework will help you first lean in, which is the L. So lean in towards your vision, towards what you're called to be doing in your business, to be creating, to be birthing. Then we have the I, which is illuminating the path towards this um, vision. So the illuminating, I help you develop a tool in that book, which is called the illumination map, which I love to use with my client, really to illuminate the step towards achieving your vision. Then we have the G of the light framework, which is about gathering. So gathering your own disco ball, what are all the things you know, all the talents you have, all the stories, all the experiences. And it doesn't matter if you're having a business that is based on a product, on a service or a software, whatever you do, it's so important to gather your own disco ball and your strengths and your knowledge and experiences so that you can build a personal brand and all that. And then gathering around you, your team, your support team, your village, your network, all of those kind of things. So the G is really important. And then the H is the one that everyone struggles with. Everyone who's read my book, everyone who I help are struggling with the H, which stands for honoring. So honoring is really making that space for the dark magic to happen. When you're like, oh my gosh, and boom, it's happening. Which I had a great example, I think it was two weeks ago. This year, I had the intention to apply to different awards and potentially win one. You know, that was my intention. I was like, okay, I'm just going to release that because I've done all the awards. I'm finalist in like 20 different awards and categories and so on. It's not going to happen, uh, but that's okay. I'm just honoring and trusting that it will happen in divine timing. In that moment, received a text. I was, you know, the winner of the Business Excellence Award which was, you know, delivered in the Gold Coast, but I was not at the event. I had completely forgotten that I was at there. I was like, oh, I want it. So then there is a T, which is transform. And transforming is real. You are it. You've arrived. You've created your vision. And this is a moment where you need to stop and look at your beautiful wing as you're a butterfly and be like, mm. before you move on and go again through the light framework, which is cyclical, which is a circle. And so before going back and leaning in towards something else and asking for more, just honor the stage of transformation. You are an author, mm -hmm. you are a speaker, you are an award winner, you are whatever is the thing that you wanted. You are a mother, you are you have a partner, whatever was the thing that you were calling in in your vision and that you worked through. I'm against the manifestation bullshit. I love working with manifestation, but in a way that it's action manifestation. So then you've arrived and you're transformed and then you can start again the cycle. 
I love that, especially the tea. Like I feel like sometimes that gets missed a lot. We're so quick to just move on to the next exactly. thing, the next thing, the next instead of really honoring, finding gratitude, like sitting in it and actually enjoying the fruits of your labor, enjoying the creation that you pull together. Like, you know, there were years ago when I wished I'd had masterminds and now like I've had that feeling of that transformation happening in the last couple of months where it's all been so like every part of the container, I'm just absolutely loving and just sitting in it and really enjoying it and being like, I don't have to think about the next thing. Like I can just literally be in this and be like, yes, this is so phenomenal. And I feel like that is something that I've been really savoring in the last couple of months, which has been really beautiful to experience. And I feel like sometimes that gets missed or it gets forgotten to do that. Yes. Being very present, right. With what you, what you wanted and then you have it and, you know, rather than not savoring it, as you said, really tasting it. And what I love about all of this teaching, it's actually, you know, it's what I say at the beginning of my book, I really honor my ancestors because this is how my grandma, my great grandmother, you know, my auntie, my parents will teach me to live. We had a very humble, simple uh, life with not much money to go around. But actually, I had the best childhood of, you know, focusing on what's truly essential. And that's the name of my business, Essential Shift, because we have to focus back on what's truly essential. And that's where when you get it, just enjoy this freaking thing. Before you move on and you're like, oh, someone said that I need this now. No, 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 no. Do you have this? So Savos is delicious, you know, cakes that you baked. Or Savos is, you know, touching and smelling your freaking book before you burst yes. another one. Just, you know, it's a reminder for myself as well. I, I wrote this book for myself as well as for everyone else, you know. Yeah, amazing. So where can we find your book? So you can go on my website, essentialshift.co, and you'll have a link there or you have a direct link, which is www.lightitbook.com, where you will be redirected and you can order the book. You can find it, you know, on any space, Amazon, Booktopia, Barnes and Nobles of the world, all of those kind of things. You have the audiobook as well. If you're listening to a podcast, maybe you like the audiobook. So you can go on Apple Books or you can go on Audible whatever is your platform where you'd like to get the audiobook. I am not the voice for the audiobook, so don't be disappointed. I paid a professional uh, speaker because uh, my accent may be a bit hard to listen for five hours. So I was very compassionate with all of you. So you, I'll ju I'm just saying a quick intro and then you can listen to a beautiful professional voice reading my book. Love it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all your incredible wisdom today. It's been such a joy talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. My pleasure. I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes so people can find it super easy and get their hands on it because I think it's going to be an incredible book. Thank you so much for joining me Thank today. You. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Next Level Life podcast. I'd love to hear any takeaways that you've had from today's episode. So please share with me on Instagram and Facebook. And if you feel so moved, please pass this episode on to any friends or family that you feel may benefit from it. Looking forward to speaking with you next week. And here's to taking your life to the next level.